Is the dollar doomed? There isn't a day that goes by that we don't hear someone on the internet shouting about how the dollar's days are numbered. China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iran are cooking up some genius scheme to replace the U.S. dollar because they hate Biden, they hate Trump, they hate you, they hate me, they hate everything about the U.S. dollar. And usually it involves Saudi Arabia, Iran, because they put the oil, the oil market at the center of their dollar is doomed story. And they do so because usually don't really understand what a reserve currency is and what it is supposed to do. You hear all the time about the petro yuan, about how China is going to replace the petrodollar with its own oil market denominated in its local renminbi currency. But there is no petrodollar. That was always a mistake that people had made because they misunderstand the global reserve currency system. And when I say people, I don't just mean those who are shouting on the internet about the dollar's days being numbered. I mean, here's an example. UBS, the well-respected investment bank, wrote a white paper in March, of 20, March 25th of 2018, just the day before the Petro Yuan would first uh, debut over in China. What they said was this Petro Yuan debut will have two principal effects. Increased demand for RMB assets and a switch out of the U.S. dollar for trading purposes which will likely undermine the United States dominant role in the global economy and create a sea change in global asset allocation to China's financial markets. That was five years ago. Obviously, those conclusions were wrong because those things did not happen. As it stands today, there is no challenge to the domination of not the dollar, the euro dollar. And you don't have to take my word for it either. Another prominent voice out there sounding, sounding the alarm about the U.S. dollar, a fellow by the name of Zoltan Pazer, who caused quite a bit of stir last year talking about Bretton Woods 3. And if you're interested in our take on Bretton Woods 3, and I say our take because Emil and I, back when Emil was here, those were good days, we did a takedown of Bretton Woods 3 last year. I'll put a link, in the, link to the video here. But either way, just recently, just in the last week or so, a little bit over a week ago, Zoltan writing as the lead author for, I guess, another white paper, Credit, Credit Suisse's Research Institute, laid out some stunning truth, stunning for him. What he said was, or what the author said, was that for the foreseeable future, there are no candidates to replace the U.S. dollar as lead currency, and the creation of a global currency remains illusory. The monetary system is, however gradually becoming multipolar. That's the part you never hear on all these breathless, underneath all these breathless headlines screaming about the dollar's days being numbered. Even Zoltan will tell you there is no, in the foreseeable future, there is no way to replace the U.S. dollar. But why? Now, why the, uh, why the, uh, the monetary system is becoming multipolar, I talk about that all the time. It's dollar shortage, not money printing. There's not enough euro dollars in the world or euro dollar capacity in the world that's leading to all of these other schemes to try to, to try to create some elasticity in an otherwise inelastic system. But why does it why is it so difficult? Why can't we just take the euro dollar and scrap it and say, let's start with something else? What is it that makes this global currency dream so illusory? That's what we want to talk about today. Why does the euro dollar actually survive? And it survives because of the parts of it that are actually good, the parts that, are, that actually work. 
the parts that make an effective medium of exchange. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Yorodale University. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And if you want to get into the details, the nitty-gritty uh, gritty plumbing about how all these things work, the euro dollar system, the reserve currency, what it is and how it breaks down, well, we have memberships available for you. We have research subscriptions. There's a bundle with my daily briefing at Markets Insider Pro. I do a deep dive analysis where we take apart individual topics and go deep into them. And then the memberships with exclusive video, including classroom videos, where we diagram the monetary details. We go into a global reserve currency, what it means about it means to be a medium of exchange and why it isn't working. All that stuff, information, check it out at eurodollar.university. I want to start here an examination of why the eurodollar is so difficult to replace with something I wrote many years back in July of 2019, talking about the Petrowan. Um, what I was saying is that, you know, you have to look at the petroyuan in the context of the eurodollar, not the petrodollar. There is no petrodollar. The petrodollar is simply a mistake people make when they observe that there is something of this offshore dollar system and they can only see a small part of it and therefore presume there must be the centrality of it has to be Saudi Arabia oil and U.S. Treasuries. Well, U.S. Treasuries is right, but it was never about oil. So what the Chinese were doing with the Petrowan here, I'm going to quote myself in July of 2019. The Chinese weren't attempting to replace the dollar merely to alleviate some of the oppressive pressures of the euro dollar. Indeed, they are no closer because the petrodollar isn't a real thing. The euro dollar is because that's what all the banks use. You don't replace the dollar by replacing the euro dollar. You have to replace the way bankers do things. And that's the part we never really think about. And the reason we never really think about it is because it all works so well. You don't, under, you don't really think that when you go to the grocery store and tap your phone or get out that little piece of plastic with a chip in it and stick it in the little machine, how, what goes on behind, all of the, behind the screen into all those wires that connect the world? Well, to, to give you a sense of what I'm talking about here, I want to go through a specific example I wrote about uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, you'll be forgiven for thinking that Visa, for example, is a credit card company or a bank or some kind of credit issuer. They don't even make the little pieces of plastic that have their logo on it. What Visa actually is, is a telecom network and a very specialized telecom network and a very important one in the context of how the Eurodollar global reserve medium of exchange truly functions. Now, there was a story written in, I think it was World of Banking magazine from way back in the early 1980s that really gets, I think, is a, is a perfect example of what I'm trying to talk about. So I'm going to quote myself from this er the article that I wrote just a couple weeks ago. Late in 1984, according to a contemporary account printed in World of Banking, some unnamed fellow from Arkansas slid his Visa card into a newfangled, newfangled automated teller machine or ATM way on the other side of the planet down under in Australia. As the story recounts, the magic truly began when the ATM sent an electronic signal to Singapore via geostationary satellite only to traverse the Pacific from underneath using a cable to California, USA, and from there across the country to Visa's operations center in Washington, D.C., and finally 
to the user's bank in Woodlands of Pine Bluff. It was the world's first example of a credit card being used in an ATM outside the United States. And think about all the stuff that had to happen there. And that was only part of the story. Because the second part of that story was, after a little bit of computer calculations in Arkansas, a signal had to be sent across the exact, in the exact reverse way, all the way back to Australia, to the ATM, where that ATM would then dispense these funny-looking pieces of paper, well, funny-looking to American eyes, funny-looking pieces of Australian, do Australian dollar paper, so that some guy in Arkansas could use, spend a few bucks on the other side of the world. In fact, it was, as the, as the uh, World Banking article said, it all took six seconds, even though it was a 31,000-mile trip. And think again, think about the complexity that's involved here. And that's not even the half of it. The other half is the part we never think about. Because that bank in Australia was dispensing cash out of its ATM, not for charity purposes, but because it expected to deduct the same amount of cash it, it simply it is dispensed from someplace else. There had to have been a transfer. But how do we transfer funds from that Arkansas guy's bank in Arkansas clear to the other side of the world in Sydney, Australia? And the answer is the Eurodollar system. So the bank in Sydney, this part wasn't in the world of banking story. I'm filling in the blanks here through my own research and expertise. So that bank in Sydney, Sydney probably contacted uh, a, a sponsoring bank on something like CHIPS, the International Eurodollar Exchange. And then the sponsoring bank contacted, sent a message, uh, probably through SWIFT, uh, if it was an encoded message through, through SWIFT from the beginning, it could have just been forwarded on to another sponsoring bank who was sponsoring the participation of that bank in Arkansas. So the bank in Arkansas could then be deducted the amount of money going from its account for the, the account holder, the, the Arkansas man's account, all the way through chips to the other side of the world so that the bank in Sydney could be repaid. But that's not the entire story either. While we're running through chips and, and settling our international bills, where does the money actually come from? Because this was a credit card, in later years, not 1984, the first ABS wasn't, really, wasn't actually uh, introduced until 1985, but ever since then, most credit card receivables aren't even owned by banks. So not only do you have a little piece of plastic that has Visa logos on, Visa's logo on it, which Visa isn't actually a, a bank or an issuer either. Sometimes it has the name of a bank on it, but the bank is nothing more than the issuer. Really, the credit, the receivables, the management of it, the financial responsibility for that credit line is owned by something called an asset-backed security, usually in the form of a master trust. And where does the master trust get its funds from? Because it's not a bank, from wholesale markets. Wholesale money markets, which means likely repo, commercial paper, sometimes other kinds of weirdly exotic wholesale forms. So think about it again. So here's, what I, here's, here's the, uh, the summation of what I wrote from this transaction from my perspective. If, let's, let's assume that this had taken place in, say, 1986 rather than 1984. Summing this all up, had the Arkansas man done his stuff in 86 rather than 84, dollars very likely would have come out of the repo market through the hands of ABS bond owners back through the master trust to the payer account in Pine Bluff across chips overseas to some correspondent dealing in both dollars and dollars, American and Australian, 
to then forward the right ones with the right amounts all the way down to into Sydney just so a guy could spend a few useful bucks in a foreign land. Medium of exchange. And think about, too, how things have changed since the 80s. At the end of our story here, we have a guy in Arkansas who's actually accessing physical foreign cash to be able to spend in that foreign place. Nowadays, we don't even do that. We barely use ATMs in hand-to-hand currency at all. If this had happened, say, in 2004 or 2014 rather than 1984 or 1986, we still have repo, we still have the ABS, we still have the master trust, we still have chips, but instead of connecting to an automated teller machine dispensing physical currency, we have point-of-sale computers set up at shops, restaurants, hotels, on the internet, everywhere. We don't even use physical currency anymore. It's all electronic transfers through an utterly complex maze of interlocking networks. Networks that are maintained by not just banks, but financials, non-financials, non, uh, shadow, shadow bank participants, all kinds of institutions and corporations and businesses that are involved to make sure that the same currency in the virtual format can be made available to you, me, and everyone in as many places as humanly possible. And this is just a micro-scale transaction. The big stuff, the macro-scale, big-volume money uh, transactions, you think these are those are more, or you think those are less complicated or more complicated? They're actually even more complicated and more fraught with potential problems. It, there's even more that goes into the infrastructure to making sure some of these macro-scale transfer transactions and transformations go through seamlessly. There is an entire army of networks and capabilities and this vast dizzying sea of computers and wires and information and processing that has to take place. The global currency system looks like the internet, not stacks of cash or gold bars. I think people get that wrong. People don't really understand the distinction here. To be a useful medium of exchange means you have to have that medium exchangeable in a lot of places, usable all around the world. And where the euro dollar makes its bones is because of these transformations, these nodes, these networks, that it can take somebody, in an Arkansas guy in Australia, and have him be able to do whatever that he wants to do. That... Th- The Australian bank can get repaid in Australian dollars somehow from a bank clear on the other side of the planet. We're all intermediating through a common exchange which is available practically everywhere. That's not something the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, and the Saudi Arabians are even planning to do, let alone are able and capable Again, go back to what Credit Suisse said, what Zoltan wrote as lead author just a couple weeks ago. For the foreseeable future, there are no candidates to replace the U.S. dollar as lead currency, and the creation of a global currency remains illusory. It remains illusory because of that guy in Arkansas, way down, the guy from Arkansas, way down in Australia. 
even 40 years ago, we had the ability to create this useful, incredibly useful medium of exchange. The problem with the euro dollar system isn't that it doesn't work because it works really, really well. The problem with the euro dollar system is that there are not enough euro dollars. And that's an entirely different story, though somewhat related. So we have this malfunctioning global currency system, but it's malfunctioning in the amount of currency in it, not malfunctioning in that it doesn't do the job of a reserve currency. But because it does the job of a reserve currency and does it exceptionally well, in an exceptionally wide area of coverage, big and small, there is no replacement for the foreseeable future. And to replace it is a truly enormous undertaking. And you're not going to do it by pricing a little bit of oil in Remnimbi. That's just completely misunderstanding the situation. The euro dollar needs to be replaced, but it needs to be replaced by something that is a functioning medium of exchange. And that's why this has opened the door as a medium of exchange for competing forms of currency. Unfortunately, they cannot replicate all of these functions, all of this, this massive coverage, at least not yet. Or for, I'm agreeing with Zoltan here, not for the foreseeable future. Unfortunately, sadly, we're stuck with it. We're stuck with this system and all the negative consequences until we can actually replace these functions. That is why the dollar is not doomed, but it really needs to be exchanged pun intended. It's the medium of exchange part where it works. The rest of the stuff we have to figure out. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge, massive thank you to the Eurodollar University members, as well as all the Eurodollar University Markets Insider Pro subscribers. Again, cannot thank you enough. Until next time, take care.